Hello, everyone, and welcome to my Papa's podcast, Celebrating the Word with Dean Caldwell Ministries. Hello, everyone. We want to welcome you today to Elevating the Word. This is a Bible study intended to increase your faith, increase your knowledge of God so you can walk closer to the Lord and have a relationship with God like you've never had before. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the podcast today. We are so glad that you have joined us. Just a few quick announcements up front. Don't forget to head over to YouTube and Facebook. Um and check out Dean Caldwell Ministries on both of those platforms to keep up with Brother Dean. Um, over on YouTube, we have encouraging videos, and over on Facebook, where he's going to be in revival and encouraging posts and uh, things of that nature. So that is Dean Caldwell Ministries. You can look that up on YouTube or Facebook. And then secondly, the email, elevatingtheword at outlook.com. Send your questions, your thoughts, your prayer requests over there to elevatingtheword at outlook.com. And uh, we'll do our best to answer all those that we can. And then lastly, if you'd like to give towards Brother Dean's ministry and towards the podcast, there are ways of doing that by clicking down in the comment section or the show notes section and just follow the links below and it'll lead you to where you need to go. With all that being said, Brother Dean, we're going to continue on. Uh, with you and Sister Paggy's um, marriage and God in the home and just kind of continuing on with that. So once you start off and uh, we'll get going. All right, Rob, we're going to continue from the last podcast that we done. We're going to do several series of this podcast on the marriage and uh, God in the home. And when we closed the last podcast out, we were talking about how to deal with conflict in the marriage, and we spoke of three different things that uh, to deal with uh, conflict, and one of them is compromise, agree to disagree, and then give in. And I think we covered them pretty well in the last podcast, but today we're going to talk about uh, the characteristics of a man and a woman, and uh the reason we're going to talk about this because this is what brings about conflict in the marriage. And um, in every marriage, there's going to be worse and there's going to be good in every marriage. And uh, if you're looking for a reason to divorce, you can usually find one. But regardless of how good your marriage is, there's going to be conflict from time to time, and that, which means you're going to disagree. In the course of a marriage, you're going to learn what hurts your partner, you're going to learn their intimate secrets. And from time to time, in the heat of an argument, you might even use one of those tactics. But always remember this, just because you won the argument doesn't mean that you have blessed your marriage in any way, fashion, and form because you left the other party wounded and hurting. And that's difficult to heal sometimes And so what we're trying to talk about today is uh, why uh, men and women have the conflict that they have and the characteristics of a man and woman. My wife is with me again, and we're going to be discussing this in this podcast today. And Peggy, we welcome you to the podcast, and uh, you can start us off talking about the characteristics of a man and a woman. 
Well, I'm glad to be back today. We've heard some really positive reports. Uh, I think one of them, the highest thing that's been said is that we're very open and honest within our own relationship. Um, the characteristics of a man and a woman, I often laugh at, laugh at you, uh, your examples when you're preaching. You talk a little bit about this sometimes in the services, and it is so uh wonderful to watch the response of people because sometimes in a marriage you think that you're the only one going through this. Um, I've often said, I cannot believe you act like you do uh, as a man, and you've said that about me, but then when you bring it up in other uh, around other people, you find out we're pretty much alike. The women do think a lot alike, and they laugh at some of the things that I've said or done, and same thing with you. The men, uh, they're shaking their head like, yeah, that's right, because that's how they feel. So we find out um, in counseling or just on an everyday life that we are very much alike. Uh, we do think the same. A lot of women do. There may be rare cases where it's the opposite, but the conflict, uh, the disagreements, the reason that we feel like we do and act like we do, we're, we're made different, and that's the way God intended. That's why uh, I think talking about this will help people to understand they're not in this by themselves, and they're not something wrong with me as a woman. There's not something wrong with you as a man. Biblically, we are different. God made us that way. And once we learn those differences, it really does make a difference in the marriage. It makes all the difference because when you go back to the creation of man, when God made Adam from the dust of the ground in Genesis 2 and uh, verse uh, number 7, he said, And the Lord God made man of the dust of the ground and breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man become a living soul. In that same chapter, in verse 18, that, that verse I just read is verse 7 of Genesis 2. But 2 and 18, God said it's not good that man should be alone. The word alone is two English words put together, all one. Pull it apart, it's all one. Put it together, it's alone. When you're all one, you are alone. But he said, it's not good that a man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helpmate for him. God put Adam to sleep, and when he did, the verse 23 of that same chapter, when Adam woke up, he had a helpmate by his side. Now, keep in mind, they were never babies. God never grew them up from babies into childhood and adolescent and then full grown. No, they were made full grown. They had no family background they were created by God, but in verse 23 of Genesis uh, 2, when Adam woke up, he made this statement when he saw Eve, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was, now watch this, she was taken out of man. Because woman was taken out of man, God put Adam to sleep and brought Eve out of Adam. And then the next verse, Adam makes this statement. He said, shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, physically, God brought Eve out of Adam, but through spiritual covenant of a marriage and making vows to each other, in the eyes of God, you become one unit 
and one flesh. So God made Adam, but Eve came out of Adam. That means there is traits in a woman of a man. There's traits in a man of his wife as well, the woman as well. But there is trump suits. Adam was made with the ability to lead because he was created first, the ability to lead. Now, uh, the word uh, leader there, or head, does not mean boss. The word head, when you read uh, man is the head of the house, or that you understand that Jesus is the head of man and the head of Jesus is God. In those same verses of Scripture, many people overlook that whenever they read that, but the word headship does not mean boss. It means leader. So God made Adam with the ability to lead. He was had the ability to name all the animals, and he named them, and God said that's what they'll be called. And so the animals were named, according to their characteristics that they had. And uh, it, and God put that inside of man. That is a divine thing that God put inside of mankind with the ability to lead. Man has the ability to lead. It's not the fact that the woman cannot lead. It's the fact that God put it in man. It becomes natural with him to do that. God made the woman with the ability to have relationship. A woman is more tender in their thinking, or most women is. Uh, they're more apt to look at the good side and the emotional side where man will look at uh, uh, the side of, um, what am I trying to say here? He'll look at the, at the side of, uh, of mankind and logic. Uh, man, ha ha most men that I've ever been around will will they use logic more than emotions, and the woman uses emotions in her thinking. It doesn't mean the woman doesn't have logic, and doesn't mean the man does not have emotions. It's just the trump suit of our thinking. And uh, you know, when it comes down to this, uh, I, I get this question a lot, Peggy, and you've heard me explain this. Why did God create a man and a woman to begin with? What was his idea behind creating a man and a woman? Well, it's always been the law of God of harvest. The giving and receiving brings harvest. And so keep that in mind. That was God's idea as to why he made man and he made woman, and he made man different than he made woman. The very genital makeup of a man and a woman are totally different from each other. The man's genitals are made to give. The woman's genitals are made to receive. That is the law of the harvest with God, and it's the whole reason why God made male and made female in the beginning, because it was a fulfillment in the mind of God of his law of harvest. He wanted reproduction. He wanted them. Yes. And that was part of the reasoning behind that. Uh, when you mentioned that about the mother and father, even though they didn't have parents, yes, I believe that was put there for future generations yes. because we have to, when we marry, 
We do not forsake our family. We don't disown our parents or our upbringing. We have to put the person that we choose as our soulmate in the forefront. God first, but then it has to be the spouse in that position next. Yes. Because we talked about that in the other podcast, that there will come a day. uh, I've saw many, many families where the husband or the wife put the children first. And we've dealt with that through the years of counseling, uh, especially in remarriage. The children are put before that spouse, especially sometimes in a second marriage. But you have to understand that those children will leave and you'll be back down to those two people. And then they don't, they don't even know how to talk or to communicate. But God put man and woman together so that they would reproduce and for future generations. And God brought us together as a one unit. Yes. A one unit. Uh, shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one. Yes. They shall be one. And in that process of thinking is where man's ideas come from and where woman's ideas come from. Man's ideas are based on logic, which is giving, and the woman's ideas and her thinking is based on emotions more so than than the man. A woman is easily hurt than a man is, and that doesn't mean a man's not hurt. That's not what I'm talking about at all, but... Uh, For instance, just some little quotes and some little things that we could use today. The man had rather say, I quit, than for his spouse to tell him, you lost. And, And the reason behind that is this. Now, I know probably some man that's hearing this right now said, well, that's not me. Well, let me tell you how you do this. You and your wife gets into it. You've been in a... a spouse will battle for two or three days and you jump in your truck and you ride down the road and you say, well, if that's how she wants it, then we'll just, what you just said is I quit. You just said, I quit. A man had rather say I quit than for his spouse to tell him that he lost. It's in our genetics uh, to do that. And uh, man, uh, knowing ourself sometimes can give us answers as how we treat our spouse and how we treat our family in the process. I've hear people make this statement a lot. Well, that's just how I am and I'm not changing. If it goes against biblical principles, you can change it. You better change it. You need to change it. I read something several years ago and I may have the date or uh, the timeline of this a little wrong, but it takes, I think, 30 days doing the same thing, the same time, the same way every day forms a habit. Yes. yes. But it takes 45 days to break a habit. So it's not impossible. It's just harder for us to change. And there's some things we need to change. Now, if you're married to someone and you're, or you're about to get married to someone and you've got the idea I'm going to change them. That's not what this is about at all. It's not that way at all. There will be changes made over time, a process of time. But you marry someone for what you see and for what the good that you see in them. There's going to be bad. There's characteristics 
and uh, that you didn't see in the dating process, but now you're living one with another and you're realizing who they are intentionally. You're, you're realizing who they are as an individual. And uh, there's things that in, in my life that I have decided back years ago, I'm not going to be like that. I am not going to follow that pattern. I'm going to change it. And uh, I feel like that I did. I feel like there's some things I have changed. There's some things that I have not changed. I didn't feel like they needed change. <laughs> 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 I, won't, I won't even comment on that one. Yeah. But I do remember um, we were raised different on emotions. Uh, you know, you said some women are, I mean, women are more than likely more emotional than a man, but that's not always the case. These roles can be reversed. We've seen that where the man is much more emotional. The woman is logical. That's that's rare, but it does happen. And uh, the movement of women fighting for equal rights, has somehow distorted some of the biblical uh, teaching that we feel like has been changed for the worse. It's We do have rights, and, and God looks at us. He's not a respecter of person when it comes to our relationship with Him. But I remember when I went to work, uh, after I graduated, I worked at Morton's, and if you, that was when women's equal rights came out really strong, and there were jobs at that plant that if you chose equal rights, you would have to lift and carry things. There was no physical way I could do that. I was real small, um, built and I could not pick up some of the things but if I fought for that job and said it was my right to have it the same as a man I would have probably lost the job because I couldn't hold up to do it and I quickly realized and you know I didn't try to pursue those things but in a marriage uh, there are things that you can do that I can't do and I don't even try to uh, you and I were laughing yesterday about housework or uh, me doing stuff outside, you uh, the yard work and stuff. There's things that we can do to benefit each other, or we can use it as a weapon against each other and say, well, this is partly your job, it's partly mine. But in a marriage, when you're working with any situation, whether it's manual labor, um, obligations to the children and stuff, there is one that's better than the other one. There's one that's more capable. And we argue over small things that really don't matter. There's so many more important things in our lives, decisions that we're going to make through the years uh, about our finances, our uh, lifestyle, where we're headed as we get older, things that we really need to work together on and not argue or get in disagreements over the things that are so trivial. And we see that happening so much in marriages, uh, fighting for equal rights or fighting for things that really don't matter. Yes. There's a very powerful scripture in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. And this is how God views us all when it comes down to his relationship with us and his power and mercy toward us. In verse 28, he said, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, 
for ye are all one in Christ. And then he said in verse 29, if you be Christ, that means belonging to Christ, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. As far as I know, I'm, I have no Jew in me at all, no Hebrew, I should say it like that, no Hebrew in me, but because I know Jesus, and he said this applies to the woman, to the man, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, but you're one in Christ. So God views us when it comes to his glory, his presence, as you just come to the table. Yes. But in the marriage, he looks at us through covenant. We make covenant when you stand before whoever and you say, I, I pledge my love to you and I pledge my love. People don't realize how serious that that pledge making actually is. Now, through the years of time, I, I wish I'd have kept uh, uh, some kind of record, but I didn't of how many weddings we have performed. But probably 40 plus years ago, I determined then not to ever do a wedding without first counseling. Yes. yes. I will always require counseling. And I've had a few cases. They didn't want me to counsel with them. And I refused to do their wedding because I feel like learning what God requires of you as a husband and as a wife and match it up with the scripture, not about like what somebody said or what somebody done or what somebody thinks and uh, put that aside and say, I'm going to, I'm going to be what the husband God wants me to be, or they're going to be the wife that God wants you to be and, uh, and measure it up with the word of God. Measured up with the scripture. We have seen, I know, in the last, I'd say last 20 years, uh, weddings are different. The vows, a lot of people write their own, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, but through the years of the marriages that you've done, you'll usually go over the basic one and let them choose. And it surprised me through the years, there have been some that said, I do not want in there that I will honor and obey. Don't put that in there. And instantly my heart, you know, it just caught because I thought, you know, we are always going to be, I don't know how to say it. We're always going to have someone that is over us. If you work in a business, you have a boss. You said in the marriage, there's no one that's a the headship boss. is our boss. You're the leader. You're the spiritual leader. But if a person automatically says, I'm not going to honor or obey, in my mind, I wonder what is it that would cause them to even think that because there are things in a marriage that you do honor each other simply because of who they are. Um, you know, you, you've got to honor that spouse. You've got to have a certain amount of obedience. Sometimes you will... I told on one of the podcasts when we were dealing with uh, our daughter in rebellion that you told me I provoked. There are times that we will correct each other, but it's for the good. And to honor that is just part of the marriage. But when a person starts out in a relationship saying, I don't want those words 
I'm not going to make that kind of vow. That really makes me wonder, do they realize the seriousness of a covenant? Yes. We have to understand how different we are from each other. And we talked about this in previous couple podcasts back, that even though you may come from a Christian home, both people are Christians, and they've come from a Christian background, yet we are so different, not in our Christianity, but in the family matter. Everyday life. Everyday yes. life. You come from a background that I didn't come from. I come from a background you didn't come from. And now then, we're together, and we're trying to make a life out of this. And you have nothing to draw from except your past. That's all you have. And sometimes your past gets in the way of trying to make a relationship work. I cannot impose on you the things that I've done when my family, with my family coming up. For, for instance, let's use this as an example. One family squeezes the toothpaste in the middle. The other squeezes the toothpaste in the bottom. One gets up every morning and they have coffee. The other family gets up, they have nothing. There's difference in, in our lifestyle that we come from. But when you're brought, you're brought from your family. I was taken from my family and we come together as one. We're going to have to draw from each other. Some things we will discard. Other things we will build on. And we will make a home of a, a a godly home, a home where there's love, where there's peace. Every home that a man and woman has should be their castle. It should be a place that when you come home from your work with the stress and all that, you need to look forward to coming home. It should be a safe haven. You should feel peace when you get there. And how many times through the years have I dealt with husbands or wives that said I dread for the for the to to clock out at work and go home because I know what I'm facing. That should not be. There's enough stress on the job. And when you come home it should be a peace haven. But that don't just happen. You have to work at it and you have to make it happen. And much of that that we're talking about just comes with the fact being able to talk about your feelings, being able to share your feelings with your spouse, how you feel, because you're going to get the feeling from time to time that they're not interested in how I feel. They're not interested in what's going on in my life. And you can live with that assumption in your life. But then when you sit down with your spouse and you get to talking and get their side of the story, and get what they're talking about, then you can come to a resolve. And a resolve sometimes is just peace. Just peace about it. I've talked about it. She understands how I feel. I understand how she feels. And we are building a relationship that we can have peace with. Peace. There's Peace can't be bought. It just can't be bought. It has to be something you work on. It has to be something that you realize when there is a turmoil. You see, turmoil and things like that carry a spirit with it. Yes. You can walk in the house and feel the mood of the house many times. And you can detect whether there's something wrong, uh, what's going on. 
Uh, and this could go on for days and weeks and months. I remember one time when we were at Whitehall, we laugh about it now, but we were fixing to go to a youth rally and you were driving the van. All the teenagers was on the van and we were running late. You had told me that day, you be ready, got to leave at 530, you be on the van. Talisa was a little girl. I had cooked supper, trying to get everything done, getting ready to go get on the van. And I do not like for you to honk the horn when I'm trying to grab my purse and the diaper bag and all this. And ladies, you've you've dealt with this, I'm sure. And you were out there and you honked that horn. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll just let him wait another minute. <laughs> and I, but I, I was hurrying. But I went hurting as fast as I should have. But anyway, I waited a minute, and then I got to the door, and I turned around and locked the door, and you honked it again. And I got on that van, and I slammed that door. And I remember there was a young teenage girl sitting behind us, and uh, Carrie looked at you, and she said, Well, Brother Dean, uh, how, how did she word it, Brother Are Dean? You Are Peggy? you and Sister Peggy fussing? Fighting. Are you fussing or fighting? And you said, uh, yes, we are, and said, just wait till we get back. If you want to come in the house, we'll show you what it's about. And we, that didn't go over good with me. Even all the kids laughed. But there's things like that, that just small things that we do to agitate when we realize it's probably going to end up being more. So the peaceful feeling takes two. It takes both of us to have peace in the home. One thing that I've always been thankful for, I'll never forget when my one of my sisters was going through a really hard time. She came down for counseling two or three times, and she made this statement that night. She said, this is the most peaceful house. And I thought, Lord, you should have been here last night. It wasn't so peaceful. But that made me feel so good that she felt peace in our home Um there's so many homes that doesn't have that peace, never. I mean, ours is not always peaceful, but I'm thankful for the times that it is. Sure. Uh, and it takes work to get that. Just because you have a conflict does not mean that, uh, just because you have a conflict doesn't mean that you can't have the spirit of peace. Sure. The spirit of peace, God realizes there's going to be conflict. They're just going to be conflict. Well, he had it among the disciples. He said, live were, peaceably with all men, if, if at, at all possible. possible. Yes. There's going to be times that you're going to have conflict. I, I tell everybody in a joking way, our, our thinking, how a man thinks and how a woman thinks. Uh, of course, I, I use this as kind of a, a laughing matter, but it, it's a lot of truth. A man dresses by smell and a woman dresses by public opinion. A man will pick up a shirt and smell of it, and if it halfway smells good, he'll put it on. And I'll say, Dean, you wore that yesterday. You can't do that again. And I'm saying, but it smells all right. And uh, and Peggy, she dresses by public opinion. She comes out with this outfit on. She stretches around. How does that look? And I, oh, that looks great. Really looks well. Does it make me look fat? No. How am I going to answer that? And, well, Carefully. Does it? Does it make me look fat? No. Oh, you're lying, she'll say. You're lying to me. And I said, well, maybe a little. And then she'll say, well, I'd talk if I was you. So I'm thinking, what, what is the win here? Tell there's it neither, all. Tell it all. There's not anything. But anyway, we, we, we're just different. A, a man, when he is rejected, he will withdraw. 
A woman, when she is rejected, she will generally fight back. She will fight back. And, uh, you know, it just... Uh, That's the emotional part of us. Yes, We need it to is. win. It is. Uh, man, when told by his wife what's wrong with a marriage, uh, will usually defend his point, sulk a little bit, and then get over it. A woman will give her point on what the, ma- the matter is and then ponder it. And then she'll try to fix the problem to suit her. And then <laughs> so, we talk about it. We like to talk about we, it. We talk about things like that and discuss it. So we are different. We're different in our thinking. We're different in our actions. But the whole point is we are family-oriented. Yes. We are family. And I'm going to do everything in my power to see that my family is blessed I want to do everything in my power to see my wife is blessed. My daughters, my son-in-laws, my grandchild is blessed. That's my point. That's my goal. There may be a way of getting to that point that I didn't have worked out, but in my mind, and I know it's in Peggy's mind as well, what's good for this family? Uh, and, And Many times when you're trying to get to the goal as to what's good for the family, there's just um, areas you just have to walk through and uh, come to a resolve by talking about it, talking about it to one another and say, I think this would be good. This is what the kids need. This is what you need. And you have to come to the point that selfishness has no place in a marriage. If the man is selfish and thinks about himself. Or if the wife is selfish. Either one is selfish. You put your family in a bind. Yes. But when you are are putting your wife, putting self back, putting your wife, she's putting self back and putting you first, you're going to generally get what's good for the family. Well, right there is a big answer. You said if you put me first, if I put you first, then we both win. Yes, it is. We're both put in a, a good place. Um, on our next podcast, we have dealt with uh, the five love languages that we have done in several marriage counseling sessions. I'd really like to name those five because I really truly believe that those uh, learning what makes the other person happy makes a difference. It does. And we'd like to talk it, about that. It makes, a, it makes a difference. We're going to talk about guarding your heart. According to Proverbs 4, 21 through 23, he said, guard your heart. How can you affair-proof your marriage? Yes. Because I don't care who you are and what you are and how holy you are, there is temptation out there. There's always going to be temptation. And temptation becomes more real when things are not going well at home. And so we're going to talk about that and discuss that in, uh, in our podcast coming up. You guys have a blessed day. Hope you enjoyed this. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast this week. We pray it was a blessing to you. We pray that it encouraged you, that you were elevated in the word. Don't forget to check out Dean Caldwell Ministries on Facebook to keep up with all things that Brother Dean uh, is doing. You guys have a great rest of your week and God bless.